You get more out of life when you go out to a movie. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome once again to Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews. Uh, a usually a bi-weekly, maybe at worst case, uh, once a month uh, podcast. Uh, it'll probably be more bi-weekly uh, once uh, some of these other side podcasts that your co-hosts are doing uh, begin to end. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, welcome, and for folks who just fell upon us and don't know who we are, we are part of the Dark Discussions News Network. Uh, that's www.darkdiscussions.com. Uh, that is a all-genre website, which has news, columns, release notices, podcasts, uh, reviews, so I think I may have already said it, so that's twice. Uh, so basically, if you follow genre news, um, then it's probably a website you should go to every morning or every day because uh, it is updated daily with uh, new columns and articles. Um, you can also find us under the Dark Discussions Podcast Facebook group, uh, Dark Discussion 1 Twitter. Uh, you can email us and we will read your email on the podcast or if you have thoughts on ideas of movies to do or do you want to comment on a movie that we are talking about and whatnot, we will read your email on the podcast, and that's uh, darkdiscussions at AOL.com, or you can just go to darkdiscussions.com and press the Contact Us uh, link, and then you can fill out the email there as well. Uh, you can find us basically wherever podcasts are found. Uh, for folks who don't know what Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews is, it's basically a catch-all of all things genre. So it can be uh, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, comic book movies. Uh, it could just be a news episode. It could be all sorts of things, but basically we all we discuss uh, genre stuff. Um, and tonight we're here to do it again. I am one of your co-hosts, Phil, from the state of New Hampshire in the U.S. of A. And with me in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Hey, this is Barrett. Barrett, how's it going? Going well. Excellent. And in the state of Missouri? Hi, this is Kevin. Kevin, how's it going? Actually, I'm kind of surprised we are a news network. I, that's not one uh, one description I would have called us, but that's cool. Yeah, it's a uh, well, it's a it's a media news network. Media meaning like uh, movies, video games, things oh, like that. Yeah. Not, yeah, but I wouldn't. I, I news is not something I would have thought about. But um, yeah, they don't want to be tagged as news nowadays because it's all fake. <laughs> that's what I say. God damn. Our news about fake stuff. Right, so we're actually more real than the than the quote unquote real news. So exactly. there you go. Well, okay. I'm gonna, well, I'm going to have to get around back to you on that one. 
fair enough fair enough all right so uh what we got here uh basically uh, we've done some episodes uh recently that people may be interested in for example we did uh wonder woman 1984 and we discussed that whole film uh critiqued it and reviewed it then we did uh, the northern irish film uh a good woman is hard to find uh that is a, a really good thriller uh slash horror film uh we did an episode on that um, and we've done uh, various other films as well uh, during the month of, I think it's June. Uh, we usually do two LGBTQ films, uh, art house films, that is. So uh, basically lesbian films, uh, um, their uh, people's experience, dramas and, and whatnot. So we've done the film AWOL, which is a, a small independent films uh that uh, got great reviews and it's a good movie. And then we did the Emily Blunt film, uh, My Summer of Love, her debut in motion pictures. And uh, that one also got uh, great reviews as well. So we do all sorts of stuff, art house, as we said, as well as horror and and science fiction and whatever. Tonight we're going to be doing a science fiction film with a little teeny bit of horror and definitely a lot of art house, but uh, we'll get into all that in a second. Uh, any news anybody wanted to bring up that's related to genre? Um, I know that some people have been saying they saw the Godzilla versus King Kong or King Kong versus Godzilla or whatever it is uh, directed by Adam Wingard. The trailer came out. I don't know if you've seen it, Kevin. I'm sorry. I did not see the uh, the preview yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, what about you, Barrett? Have you seen it yet? I have seen it, and it looks really good. I, You know, I'm half and half on trailers. Sometimes I don't like to see them. Sometimes I do. Um, I really can't stand when a trailer shows stuff that's not in its actual movie. Um, I find that to be deceptive advertising. And sometimes the way they advertise a movie is not what the movie's about. Um, so I'm not big on trailers, but this, this trailer looked really good. I can't say if the movie's going to be good or not, but the trailer looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, I, I people were sharing the, the, the trailer and all that. And um, I don't know, there are times where I kind of get, uh, I kind of adapt the, the Eric Webster um, view of trailers. Uh, I'm not going to use exact words he does, but I'll just say, um, forget trailers, that yeah. I don't want to be... I don't want to. I sometimes they'll they'll do some massive spoilers or, you know, like you said, deceptive stuff in there. And my whole thing is is that if I know it's going to be a movie that I want to see, I don't need to see the trailer. And I'd like to keep as much of it as, um, I guess you could say as a, as much of a surprise uh, as as possible. Uh, I remember one uh, the. The, the Star Wars, the new Star Wars movies, actually, when Star Wars 1 through 3 came out, I think it was, yeah, when Star Wars 1 through 3 came out, a guy I worked with, he, he, he said, you know, people were saying, yeah, he was in the movie theater, and when the when the Star Wars previews came out, because he, he just didn't want to be spoiled at all, he literally got up and ran out of the theater, or at least ran out of the, you know, out of the screening, out of the screening room, just because he didn't, he didn't want to be spoiled at all. And um, at first I thought he was nuts. But then as I look back at that, I think, you know what, that's not a bad idea because you don't yeah, want to I, you don't want to actually, preconceptions. Yeah, I actually uh, uh, try not to. Uh, uh, I try to get my seat at the theater and then I put it on my headphones and uh, listen to like a, a news podcast or whatever while the trailers are going on, because I don't want to. Uh, 
to see them. What's that? That's a good idea. And, you know, I have a perfect example. So, um, oh, God, The Fifth Element. When I first saw trailers for that back in the early 90s, it looked like a hard sci-fi movie. But yeah, when it looked I like in, a really big cyberpunk yeah. film. Yeah. Once I got in there, it was a comedy. <laughs> yeah, it was more of a dark comedy. You're absolutely right. Or, or... I've learned to appreciate it years after, but when I first saw it, I hated it because I expected it to be hard sci-fi and it was kind of goofy. Um, yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's what I hate about trailers. When they do stuff like that, I just, I have expectations at that point and they created them and then they lied to me. <laughs> yeah, there, there was like, a, I think it was 2017, there was, a, there was a, a really good sci-fi horror film called It Comes at Night and um, I didn't see the trailer I went in completely blind, uh, but a lot of the people that we associate with on social media saw the trailer, and a lot of people were pissed because I guess the trailer makes it look like it's going to be a zombie like action film, and I, who went into it completely blind, uh, thought it was the best film of the year for, for horror and um, had it much higher rank compared to a lot of people that we know who had seen the trailer and were therefore disappointed when they actually saw the film. So yeah, trailers aren't necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, we, we were discussing a uh, discovery of witches, uh, me, you and uh, Kevin do a, a side podcast called discovery of witches, demons and vampires, the podcast, which is a weekly podcast that you can follow uh, part of the dark discussions news network. But um, basically um, they have trailers at the end and they basically, we've noticed give us a little bit of information that we otherwise wouldn't have known. Um, so it's not just giving us excitement to see the next episode. It's unfortunately giving us a little uh, hints uh, I've noticed. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I haven't seen the Godzilla uh, trailer. And I think I will because I'm going to wait and go on blind uh, when it comes out on HBO max. Uh, let's see other news, other news. Um, anybody else have any other news that they wanted to bring up? Not particularly that I can think of. All okay. right. That's fine. No. Okay. That sounds good. No, no worries. No worries. Uh, so I guess we can get into our topic tonight. So, uh, Kevin, what are we going to discuss tonight? Tonight we are going to discuss the post-apocalyptic go, don't go. it up. I saw it. You saw it. 
if I told you I didn't know how I got here? I know you. You got some tricks up your sleeve. When I right uh go don't go uh is a new as uh kevin said a post-apocalyptic sci-fi drama art house mystery thriller um it is uh basically a film that did the festival circuits for a year or two and then uh actually got its full release in january 2021 uh where everybody and anybody uh, is finally able to see it. Uh, so it's basically considered a, a 2021 uh, film f- uh, as, as uh, me and Barrett uh, had mentioned offline. Um, the, the the film is it takes place in uh, upstate New York uh, near Greater Albany. Uh, it's directed by a guy named Alex Knapp in his uh, motion, full-length motion picture debut as writer and director. Uh, it also stars him as the lead actor, but uh, there's uh, two other or three other handful of others people of note. Uh, but the, the main person is Olivia Lucardi, uh, who is what you would essentially call the second lead, not the second lead, but but at least uh, the second most important uh, actress uh, or, or actor in the film. Uh, she she plays a, a pivotal role, and she's probably best known for um, a bunch of things, actually. Uh, the television series The Deuce on HBO, she had a major role in that. Uh, she was also uh, one of the stars of the film It Follows, uh, where she played um, the, the best friend of uh, the lead actress in that film, uh, and um, obviously this film as well. Uh, that's pretty much all I got. So before we, we do a wiki or anything, we'll uh, give our thoughts on this film. And so, uh, let's start with you, Kevin. Okay. Um, this movie, when, when I, when you first told me that was a post-apocalyptic, I kind of had, I had a different idea. I almost had like a, Oh, crumbs. I forgot the name of that one. It's, it's kind of like everything's in ruins and, um, you know, we just, Oh, the road, maybe the the, road, things like the road and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I really didn't know what to expect when I went into this. And so when I first saw it, I, at first I was just kind of, do I really like this? Do I not? But then I realized when I really had a, a full sense of what was going on, I found myself very, I found myself enjoying this. I thought it was a good character study type movie, a good, um, you know, it, it kind of, it had semblances of things like I am legend or Omega man, where you have somebody all by themselves and how do they cope all by themselves? And so watching this guy go through life, essentially, um, being as far as we can tell, like the only, only person around, it was, it was, it was quite fascinating. And I thought that the, 
the actor for somebody doing like his his first acting day acting debut in a in a movie i thought he did very well especially in a scene where you really have to show that you're alone and you're and you and you um and you know that you're alone and how to how to survive that way all right very good um yeah for me um yeah i i uh thought it was a really interesting film actually I, I, when i started watching the film i was expecting exactly what you said uh, uh kevin that it was going to be some sort of uh post-apocalyptic uh not mad max but but just i guess chaos and whatnot and, and uh it's it's much much different than that we'll get into details as as we discuss the film um yeah it's it's a it really that's almost just a uh i guess a device uh to do what the story is really supposed to do which it's basically the struggle of one man's id and him trying to deal with i guess his humanity at the moment with the loss that he's experienced and also the life that was there prior to this uh apocalypse uh that happened uh, prior to the movie's beginning um so it, it, yeah there's a, there's a lot of stuff going on where the 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 lead actor um his character um is basically um struggling with his existence and I think we could even figure find stuff out about um, the what the purpose of life is. Uh, is there a purpose? Um, just the the willingness to move forward and, and survive, even if there is no future. In other words, life itself, the being alive, is enough of a goal, even if everything else is is emptiness uh so, so yeah i think there's a lot of stuff to say so it really has a big art house feel to it so if it's i think it's a really good film uh it's definitely not going to be for everybody because of that art house feel um and it's it's symbolism and it's uh character study and all that stuff um but but yeah yeah uh i would give it a thumbs up uh barrett yeah i uh completely was not expecting how this movie turned out um just like you guys uh it wasn't what i expected and it turned out to be a really really good movie um i love this film uh it's a great character study to see how someone copes with being alone and having uh basically lost what could have been their greatest love and having to deal with that as well as having no one suddenly in their life at all and you know what is the purpose of life like you said and you know some of the things we think of as the daily things you know are they you know purposeful and you get to see how he reacts to all these things by himself and what he does to make himself be able to live um yeah it's it's a fascinating film it's well worth watching like Phil said, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, it, it's an art house film for sure. It makes you think. It 
definitely has a lot to say. One thing yep. I also want to add, if I, if I may quickly, is um, I would really like to give kudos to the people who made this film that they didn't make it a zombie movie. A zombie movie would have been a very obvious route to take, and they did not take it. And for that, I, I say congratulations on that. Yeah, it's, it's actually, um, and we'll get into details in our thoughts, because, again, it's not necessarily, it's very ambiguous. But uh, it kind of reminded me more of a quiet place rather than a, a zombie film. In, in other words, it's a... Uh, in the quiet place, we actually see what's in the darkness. Uh, here, we don't, but there's something that may be in the darkness, and so it kind of reminded me more of, of that type uh, instead. So there, there is some sort of supernatural element, and when I say supernatural, that could be scientific, you know, like with aliens or outer dimensions or quantum physics or something versus disease or something of that nature that um, kind of that, that, you know, you know, most of these apocalypse films have, have, you know, most of these apocalypse films, it's war as a world war three or it's some sort of pandemic. Um, this one here, it seems like it's going to be more uh, metaphysical or scientifically supernatural, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll get into that. Um, yeah, so some people even have compared it to the leftovers, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll get into that, all that stuff, um, which is an HBO TV series. All right, so uh, an IMDb or a wiki. I do have it in front of me, uh, so I guess I'll do it. Uh, wiki, 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 uh, wiki. Caught between a lost love story and an escapable paranoia. Go, Don't Go is a genre-bending slow-burn thriller that follows Adam, a wallflower, who happens to be the last person left alive, or so he thinks. All right, so I actually think that's a fairly good uh, IMDb. It doesn't give away too much. Um, and, I mean, and all the stuff that it mentions, that he's a wallflower, that he's left alone, um, and that it's slow burn and whatnot, uh, a love story and escapable paranoia, all those things pretty much you, you figure out in the first 10 minutes of the film. So I, th I think those are good, good explanations because they're more thematic rather than plot explanations of what this film is. So uh, well done, IMDb Wiki, for not uh, ruining uh, the story. However, we're going to ruin the story. Because for folks who are, but for folks who are, are are curious of what Halloween Boutique Psychotronic Reviews is, uh, basically we'll we'll talk about the film for a little bit and then we'll throw up the spoiler alert. But we are not just a review website; we are a critique and review website. So we go and uh, delve into the plot, uh, specific scenes, the meanings. Uh, our thoughts and all that. So we spoil everything uh, because, again, we are trying to do a critique uh, more so than just a review. We already gave our review, which is we all said it was a good film and worth checking out if you like slow burns. Um, so, yeah, we'll don't worry. We'll, we'll warn everybody about the, the um, I guess, what we would say, uh, 
the spoilers when when they come. Um, so the film, uh, even though there were, there were some folks that were able to see it, I guess in G- January, at, at least in one location. I forget what location that was. Uh, now on February first, twenty twenty, the film's now available everywhere. Uh, at least in the states. So, so yeah, now it's available everywhere. Uh, the movie's uh, only an hour and thirty-one minutes, uh, so it's not not uh, too long. Um, basically, a standard length uh, in twenty twenty-one. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So, uh, all right. So, uh, any uh, things we want to talk about that are not spoilery but are interesting about this film? Um, I guess. I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, we, me, and you, Barrett, especially brought that good point up which is is life worth living and if there's no meaning to it does it matter and and i will want to ask you your point question point two uh kevin since you you could look at it in a religious aspect because i know you you're a, a born again christian so living itself is is uh has a meaning through the, the, the eyes of i guess god but it's just for uh regular uh folks uh that don't look at to at it in a religious way is life worth living if there's no meaning and the question is in a post-apocalyptic world when you're the, the only person left and it doesn't even seem like there's even animals around is there meaning anyone have thoughts barrett what about you because we're going to ask kevin his thoughts through through the religious aspect well, I was going to say that um, the interesting part is that he keeps doing the things that you would normally do in society daily to keep his what I would think is his sanity. And it's hard to say if that's worth it or not. You know, is that just his problem? It's it's hard for me to say what I would do in that same situation. Would I find other things to keep me going? Um, if I was all alone or would I find solace in those things that I was used to? And it's a really hard question. And I don't know that this movie necessarily answers that question so much. Um, I think it just lets you think about it. Yeah, that, that's a fair point. Uh, I saw a movie last year uh, called Working Man, and it's an art house uh, drama. It's nothing to do with genre. And uh, basically it stars... Uh, uh, a couple of folk uh, of note, um, specifically uh, Peter Garrity as the, as the lead, um, and then Talia Shire uh, plays the, the wife and whatnot. And it's basically about this uh, Peter Garrity guy, the actor, he plays a guy named Allery Parks, who loses his job uh, after working at a factory for like 30 years because they just shut down the factory. You know, you know uh, their com- company comes in, buys out, another company decides to consolidate, close down stuff or whatever. And he suddenly he looks at his life and he says, he doesn't say it, but he, you know, you, you just see it based off of how the movie moves along, which is that his, his life is now meaningless. Sure. He has his wife at home. He has a, a house and whatnot, but one of his biggest identities was going to work uh, eight to five every day, having lunch at noon, you know, and on and on. So he starts heading back to the factory breaks in the factory and continues working there. And then other people that used to work there start doing it as well and on and on and on. And, and, and the reason they're doing it is because they want purpose. And this Adam character 
in this movie here, it's kind of like that where everything's gone, so he doesn't have to do anything. Never mind, there is no one to tell him to do anything because he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have this, because there is nothing. And yet, like you said, he still has to do things. So he still goes to his job at the, as a car, car repairman. He still puts out food for an animal that may or may not be there. Um, he still goes to the mailbox. He still goes to the grocery store and not just grabs the cans off the shelf and take them back to his home. He actually pretends he's working um, through the, the checkout aisle. I think and, even the mail, like he takes it to places and then he brings himself mail too. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So obviously people want to have something in their life that gives them purpose. Now, is it sad that a person would think doing th- things like that or even a job for that matter? Because, you know, I mean, for every person that retires, there's, there's dozens of people that will gladly take the job. And, and you know, the old phrase, uh, if you want to see how um, important you are as an individual, just go to the the cemetery and you'll see a bunch of other people that were as important as you one time. So let's go to you, Kevin. What, what do you say about this? And maybe, and even in a religious perspective of the, of life as a purpose. Well, okay. A couple of things is that one, um, I kind of found it interesting that the guy we see is even before whatever happened happens um he was pretty uh introverted already so here you've got a guy that's pretty introverted now is pretty much on his own um so i mean in the and then in, when you look at it even an introvert still needs people uh, as much as they would like to deny it an introvert still needs people um, and it's also interesting. I thought that the main character's name was Adam, you know, and you have, um, you know, Adam as an Adam and Eve, the, you know, the first guy. And of course, you know, when, when Adam, you know, first it was Adam and there was nobody around and God said, it's not good for man to be alone. And so then he brings about Eve. <clears throat> so I just kind of thought it was just interesting that they, that they called him Adam. Now, I don't know if they chose adam the name adam for that reason or they just happened to say oh let's just call him adam i i really i really don't know um you know you asking me about the religious ideas behind this because uh in many cases there is you know the desire for survival you know, for, for most people, there's always that, you know, religious people or otherwise, there's always that desire to want to survive. There's always that desire to um, to continue. Like there was a movie actually a while ago with Chris Pratt um, where he was on a pretty much on a spaceship arc. Good and, movie. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of it. With, oh, like, yeah, with, with uh, uh, Jennifer. Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. yeah. You know, and at first he's like, he wakes up and it's just him because everybody else is, um, 
you know, everybody else is in stasis. You know, it's, it's so called passenger, isn't it? Passenger? I, I don't know. I'll have to look no, it up. Yeah, passengers. It's called passengers. Okay. But anyway, he's, he's, it's kind of, it starts a little bit with him because he's going off. He's doing this shit. He's in this ship that has all these luxuries and he's enjoying himself, you know, because he's playing basketball and he's got all this cheering, you know, this mechanical stuff cheering for him. He's, he's got a bartender that's a robot. And so he just drinks whatever he wants and all that. But then he, but it just it doesn't take long for him to realize, you know, I, this is boring, you know, and, you know, this is kind of worthless. But, I mean, he still kind of has that I want to survive. He doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to die. And it's just an overall, even at Adam here, he does not want to he does not want to die. He does not want to give up. Um, and so. I mean, it's as as we're we're looking at this. I mean, I at the church I go to, I went through a class. We were talking about different worldviews, you know. And there's one that's kind of they call it existential worldview, is where you kind of you make your own purpose, and that's a lot of what this movie is: is that you make your own purpose. Um, you know, be it an atheistic existentialism or a spiritual existentialism, whether or not you. Essentially, if, you know, if you believe that there's a God or not, you, you essentially you still make your own purpose in life. And that's what was going on with with Adam here is that he had a purpose, which which was and I don't think this is a spoiler. He he, he wanted he was building a car. He was trying to fix a car because he was trying to go somewhere. And. Um. And it's just that it just seemed like he just wanted to drive up this mountain. And that was kind of that was kind of his purpose. But the thing is, at the same time, though, as we as we watch him throughout this throughout the movie, he's not as committed to that purpose. Like it's a life and death type of thing. It's just I'm just working towards that purpose. But he's still trying to. He's still trying to be recreational and all that but um yeah i he but i mean if you're talking religious he's 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 he is surviving and he is trying to make his own purpose that's the that's my answer in a nutshell now um let's, let's discuss some of that uh the purpose um so we we uh just let's just set up the film so basically we, we have this this uh guy named uh, adam um a buddy of his uh says that there's a uh, like some sort of birthday party or something for him at this local lounge uh so they go there and um he finds out that most of the people there are just friends with his buddy uh because he really doesn't have that many friends so he's you know, they, they're mostly there because of his friend, not for him. Uh, however, his friend also has an uh, opportunity for him to meet a young lady, um, someone that uh, is single and looking just as, as uh, any uh, red-blooded um, heterosexual male, whether or not you are uh, introverted or not, is always looking as well. Uh, so there's this girl named Kay played by Olivia Lucardi. Uh, so they set up 
uh, and meet for the, uh, during this little party uh, at the lounge. Uh, first, it uh, looks pretty bad. Uh, Adam really has nothing to say. Uh, Kay, um, you would think would would move on at this point and think, okay, this guy's this guy's uh, you know a waste of my time. But for whatever reason, she finds something in him that she likes, and eventually she opens him up, and uh, they begin to have a a good and fun relationship. Um, then they are dates over. They're going to, you know, head home after, uh, hanging out, having dinner, food, whatever, some beer. And as he's bringing her to his car, we have a flash forward and she's gone and we, uh, see him alone, uh, on the street. Um, and, we don't know right away, but we soon find out that this flash forward is after what we were discussing in the description of the film, after some sort of um, apocalyptic thing where people uh, are gone um, because there's no bodies. Um, they, they just like disappeared. Um, and we don't know why, at, at least at this point. Uh, does that pretty much sum it up? Uh, anybody else have any anything yeah. else to add? Actually, one of the things that I was thinking about when when we first saw the the first part of that movie is you know he goes off to the car and looks like he's going to drive her home, and then all of a sudden she's gone and like nobody else is there. And I mean, at, at first when I saw that, I was starting to wonder through the movie: Did this relationship ever exist? Or was it just one night he saw this woman at a bar and in his own mind, he created, um, created the whole relationship with her, you know, was this, you know, was this, um, an actual relationship or was this just all in his mind? Um, and I, and I think it was an actual relationship. It's just, um, it it just it kind of they kind of left that open at least at the start. Yeah, I agree. I kind of felt that way in the beginning too. But then, yeah, she her presence is too strong for it to have not happened. Right. So as you yeah. Go. No. No. I I agree too. Um, if I can add further what Barrett just said and what you said, Kevin, which is yeah, it, it's very ambiguous at the beginning. The first fifteen or twenty minutes of the film um, is very ambiguous about what's what's happening so you figure out things as the movie goes on so you figure out that okay he is actually alone and you figure out okay this is a post-apocalypse world because uh as as me and barrett noticed um unlike like the walking dead um the grass isn't cut you know there's it's it's an actually you can see that the manicure of the the houses and whatnot are, have gone to pit, so it's been a while. Um, and then you f- slowly learn that, yeah, okay, there was this girl that he was with and that he was dating because we have further flashbacks, and you eventually figure out that oh, they are flashbacks and they're not just an unreliable narrator, you know, dreaming of a, a fantasy life with a girl that he once knew or he just created in his mind. 
Um, so yeah, it, it is a, a little bit of a puzzle piece, at least for the, the first uh, half hour anyway. Um, and then once once you know all that's true, the next hour of the film is, okay, what happened to Kay and what happened to him to make him, um, I guess, begin to falter because his routines begin to falter a little bit um, as Kay becomes like more and more forefront in his mind, I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, all right, so let's throw up the spoiler because, you know, we pretty much explained what's, what it is. Uh, so we aren't, you know, we'll give our opinions of what we think the dystopian is uh, in the spoiler section, and then we'll discuss further uh, what's going on in this guy's mind and his life and, and what, what we think is happening and then what we actually learn happens. Uh, so at this point, we're going to throw up the spoiler alert. Uh, folks who are interested in this movie, uh, it's available on VOD everywhere. You can go watch it. And then come back and listen. I, I do know some of our listeners are, are okay with spoilers, um, and uh, we'll continue this one even before seeing the film. Um, but you, you know, you have you you've been warned. You have your option to come back later after seeing the film um, as well. Uh, so we'll throw up the spoiler. We're going to talk about everything and anything. And uh, all right, so we're in the spoiler section of the film. Um, yeah, I, I, that's a good point, Kevin. I, I, I didn't really think about it that much, but yeah, the, I could see why a lot of people would have thought that she was made up because again, when he turns around and she's not there, you know, that makes you wonder what, what the heck's going on, you know? And, and, but another thing that was weird about that scene too, is that he leave, they leave the restaurant and then they cross the street and as he's opening the door for her and he turns around and she's not there anymore. And then he looks across the street. The bar isn't there anymore either. So right. he's, he's even at a different location. Yep. So, yeah, so it's a different time, different location. And this is just a memory uh, that he's having, uh, it seems. Um, well, let's let's talk about uh, some of the stuff. Uh, we, we mentioned some of the the remedial things that he's been doing right with the mail and and all that stuff um and is the light bulbs yeah explain the light bulbs this, this is a really interesting so, uh aspect of this movie yeah it's a small town so he's going house to house and checking all the light bulbs and when they die he buries them and puts a cross with the address with the light bulb out in this big field um and he writes down in his book when they died and all this. I, you know, I'm not really sure why he does this, why this becomes part of his routine. I guess it's, you know, as things are dying, he he's able to track them. And the bulbs are like people that used to be there. Um, it's the only thing he has to measure their deaths by, I guess. I don't know. Well, I was I was kind of pondering on that one, too. Um, I'm just worried because, I mean light sometimes light the energy and all that could i mean could represent life you know and maybe as long as there's light bulbs as long as there's like some sort of you know light in a house that there there's in a way there's life you know there's life in this um that that 
that there's life in the house, there's life in the neighborhood. And so when, when a light bulb dies, it's like, a, a, it's, it's kind of like the life leaves. That's the, that's, that's kind of how I saw it. Um, because I mean, when I first saw, first saw this part of the movie, um, when he was going around checking things at first, I thought, Oh, this is one of his jobs. He's just, you know, house sitting and you know, the apocalypse hasn't happened yet until I realized, Oh no, the apocalypse has happened. And he's just monitoring light bulbs for what reason. But then when we see him burying stuff, it said, uh, light can mean uh, life to a certain amount. And so he's trying to, it's almost like his way of trying to have life, you know, still going on without it actually being there. I don't know. Well, he wasn't able to mourn the death of the people that are gone because they just disappeared. Right. This is like his way of being able to measure that. It's also giving him purpose too. It's something that's keeping a large portion of his day busy. Also, it's a uh, it's symbolic as well. Yeah. I mean, the light uh, has a beginning and an end, and like real life, biological life, um, you can mourn the loss of people. But here, it's it's more than that because as each light bulb dies, his he he gets further and further away from humanity and civilization that he came from before the apocalypse. And, and so every time a bulb dies, that distance from the before time is being mourned more and more each time a bulb dies. And obviously he doesn't have to bury the bulbs. You know, you know, I mean, even, even, you know, uh, gravestones at, at some point are really just symbolic I mean, you can still uh, love those that are gone without ever leaving a flower on a gravestone or, or whatever. But um, sometimes sometimes uh, you feel more connected by doing that. And by bearing the bulb, you may feel more connected with his prior past, which isn't just humanity before the apocalypse, but also Kay, who he kind of he obviously uh, misses dearly. And she was a bright light in his life. Yes. She pulled him from introversion to being more extroverted when he was with her. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when, when they show some of the flashbacks later in the film, when he and her have been dating for a long time and are actually even engaged and pre prepping for marriage, um, he's already outgoing and whatnot. I mean, we see his interactions with uh, his his uh future in-laws and stuff and, and he he's pretty he pretty much like any of us by that point in the film uh versus the very beginning uh when he first meets her he's he's like you know socially awkward to the point of um no people skills at all um so yeah she, she makes him a better person basically and he knows it yeah and i think he kind of grounds her because she's you know they kind of complement each other. Right, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because she seems more of the um, outgoing uh, personality, more uh, free spirit. And his his uh, introvertness that she's pulling him out of 
she's pulling her back and and they're they're like becoming like grounded in the middle mm-hmm. and 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 so they're really good for each other as well um so not just the libido and and all that stuff but just as as uh uh souls their souls they love each other's souls as well which makes it that much more of a huge loss for him when when she disappears yeah yeah because when when you have someone that that's gr- that grounds you and that is so important to you and your your being never mind just loving them as as a person and 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 libido and all that other stuff if that person disappears and you're now back to where you don't have that person anymore that's in your life daily then you you i could see that person kind of um breaking in a sense and, and i'm not just talking about loss you know, you know i mean you know you know you you can see a spouse passes away and the other spouse even 15 years later is still you know massively depressed about it but you know uh indoors um but th- this is this is even even you know it's that type i guess it's that type of loss rather than just you know um happiness well, not only does he lose her, he loses any sense of normalcy because everybody's gone. So it's like a double whammy for him. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, it's it's kind of tough, especially when, when uh, his life at that point was really just beginning, right? I mean, before that, he was like walking through life in, in, in a cave dark cave and then when he meets her he's he's actually now a quote-unquote alive and his life's just about to begin because they're about to get married and all this other stuff they already bought the tickets for the honeymoon and all this other stuff and then poof you have the apocalypse and then we eventually um learn that that he loses her after the apocalypse during the during the post-apocalypse time and so, so yeah, that 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 can be shattering for for anybody. Um, and I, again, I think that's part of the reason why he's he's doing all these menial tasks that he doesn't have to do just to make it feel like he's back to normal. Um, all right. So, what what do anybody want to talk about? We don't have to talk about specific scenes or, or themes or anything. You know, we can talk about anything or anything at any point in the film. Uh, uh, what do we want to discuss? Um, do you want to discuss what we think the apocalypse is? Well, it's well, one of the things that I've noticed uh, during this time is that um, you don't see. Well, I mean, you don't you don't actually see what happened. Like there's this point. I mean, they they there was one part where he's remembering um, with Kay and I think Kay's parents that um that they're talking about what to do and then they said okay well we'll go to the top of this mountain and then from up there they'll see they can maybe get a better idea of what's going on around them and then from there they can uh figure out where to go and then there's this one scene where they're both running in the woods trying to get somewhere and all this you know and he's like losing his breath and all that and she's with him and all of a sudden it's like you see her just get dragged away 
and you have absolutely no idea what happened to her. Well, except for the fact that you, you're pretty sure that she's gone. And yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's a fair point. Um, basically, yeah, because this takes place, um, near the Hudson river in Albany. Um, obviously it's not that far from the Catskill Mountains, So there's definitely a lot of mountains. So obviously they're, they're talking about one of those. Um, yeah. And so that scene, which is a flashback scene at the dinner table with her parents. And she says to them that me and Adam want to head to this mountain because there's something, for whatever reason, it'll be safe or something they think. Um, and eventually as you said, there's a scene where they're, they're doing a trek, I guess, to that mountain. Um, oh yeah. I think, I think it's that where, where they're, uh, they built a, um, a little cabin up on the mountain actually. And it's more like what that. happens. Yeah. Check. Um, so what, what happens is, um, depending on the light it, it, at nighttime and I guess maybe, location I, I don't know but either way something comes out of the darkness and pulls her away when she gets too far away from the fire and it's that's why i felt it was like a quiet place because it was like some sort of being or or something that comes out of the the woods and we we look at it through i think it's kind of like the evil dead too right where, where it's like it's through the monster's eyes or, or whatever the entity's eyes is and it comes out, grabs her, and pulls her out, and he knows at that point she's gone, and that's when his life changes. Yep. So that's why I think it may be some sort of supernatural or scientific slash supernatural. You know, like like it could be a different dimension. It could be some sort of weird thing with quantum physics. It could be uh, alien. It could be demon. You know, we we don't know what it is. We just know something was out there and takes her away. You know, Bird Box is another type of film that is is a little different too, like that. Um, I don't think it's so, the rapture. They don't look happy enough. The, the what? <laughs> I don't think it's the rapture. They don't look happy enough as they're getting dragged away. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's true. That, yeah. But when the rapture happens, it's not going to be that as many people as people uh, would like to think. Yeah, I know. I'm just saying. I don't think it's that. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and to be honest, it may not be, even be a living person that's that's taken away in the in the biblical rapture, right? I mean, because because we're talking about billions of people plus all the people that have passed away. Uh, why would you know? I don't know. I mean, what is the rumors? It's forty thousand people or something, but that includes the people that are all dead too. So. It may not be anybody alive in that rapture. But either way, uh, to get back into this movie, um, yeah, you're right. It looked like she was getting pulled away as if she knew she was dead or, or in trouble. Or in trouble, so, really bad, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, out to him, and you just see her getting dragged. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, so we don't think it's a rapture. Um, I mentioned... A quiet place or a bird box. Um, what, what, what do you kind of think it could be, Barrett? What would um, your guess be? I guess definitely don't think it's like the. I mean, it might be like the leftovers, but like the leftovers, people just disappeared. They weren't yeah. ever 
seen to disappear. Um, so it's something more physical in that sense. So I, I'm, I'm with you that it's some kind of either totally supernatural or some kind of scientific supernatural thing, like another dimension, a being in another dimension, um, them getting dragged off into a different dimension or something like that. Right. Like, like, if, you know, for those fan, people that are listening to this podcast, or the Dungeons and Dragons people, that, you know, like the ethereal or astral plane or something. Yeah. Some, yeah. some creature comes out and grabs them or something. Yeah. Um, and we're, we can assume that that must have what happened to everybody else as well. Yeah. Uh, what about, the only one really that we see dragged off, right? Because the parents, we don't know when they were taken or any of that. Right, right, yeah, and we, we don't see anybody else um, taken either. And we don't uh, have a friend taken, um, and but he does like remember his best friend, and you know, has talks right. with. Him. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Well, that's two things. One is he he remembers his best friend, but he wasn't with his best friend when his best friend was taken. So, yeah. so we don't see that scene. And then the other thing is, is that yeah, that kind of makes you wonder if it's an unreliable narrator because he has a conversation with his best friend. But at that point in the film, I was already understanding that he was just, you know, t- talking to himself basically yeah 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 exactly yeah, so you know, similar... had to have somebody in his mind that he was talking to so he could work things out yeah yeah similar to like you know when you t- talk to uh, your dad you know and i don't know um other people's parents my both of my parents are gone so i'll use grandparents um you know you any of you people you know you probably have talked to your grandparents um you know while you're driving or when you're uh, walking or whatever, you know, just, you know, and then you have a conversation with them. But what it is, is you're saying, yeah, grandpa, I'll make sure to hit that baseball. And then, you know, you can think of what he would say back to you, even though, you know, you're not really talking to him. And it could be something like that. Uh, the scene when he's talking to his friend. Yep. Um, let's see. Um, all right. What other things we want to discuss about this film? Um, any, any specific scenes, well, thematic points? Go on, Kevin. There's another, there's another part, though, like we're talking about when everything happens. Because remember, he and his girlfriend built that little shed like out in the middle of nowhere. And there's times where he remembers himself in that shed, like locking himself in there. And all of a sudden you see all of these lights just shining through the cracks in the shed. And... So, I mean, so, I mean, that's showing what happened, you know, showing, how shall we say, when, when his girlfriend disappeared, that's, you know, something, something was there. So, I mean, it's obviously not something that's only in his mind, obviously, but, um, you know, you have that, but then also it's like, he's trying to live in his own, you know, now post-apocalyptic world. But then when something happens, like when some like uh, he remember one time he's in a he's in a store. I think it's in a car parts store and something falls off the shelf and he just ducks away and hides <clears throat> like he was afraid that something was going to happen. Something was going to be out there to, to come back and try to get him, which kind of shows you that he is still um 
I mean, he's still fighting for his life. Yeah, well, don't forget, like, he would have tripwires and stuff and things up so that he could tell if someone came in his house. Right, right. And or even just throughout parts of the woods, too. And he, and here's when the funny part is he even trips over one of his own uh, trip wires. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, that was kind of weird. But the thing is, is that one of the things um, was I going to say? Oh, and then so it turns out it was just a mouse that just knocked a box over. So, yeah, there are still animals there. But then um, there's another scene where he's walking and then all of a sudden he comes across a fire pit, you know, which that was still smoking. And it was kind of interesting that there is, it looks like there's, there's, there might be somebody else. But the funny part is later on, it seems like it might have been him that had the fire pit and he just didn't remember or something. I'm not quite sure, but. I thought that was kind of kind of odd. That whole that think, whole. Yeah, I think they were trying to show that. Yeah, he's doing things and forgetting that he's done them because you know it was a while ago or whatever, and so he's still not sure that there's not someone else around. And right. like there was one point where the door kind of came open from the wind, and it showed how he might later think that somebody was there. Right. Well, I mean, it's, for example, like one of the things he does is that he'll leave messages for himself. I love that part. <laughs> you know, and it, and if, well, first I'm sitting there thinking, well, who is he calling? <laughs> you know, and because you see messages, it's like when you see messages on the machine at the beginning of the movie, you think, well, the house that, I mean, it, it, you don't even know really if that's actually his house or he's just he just decided to, to claim that spot for his own. But then, um, you know, because you see flashes like, you know, two messages, two messages. And actually it was interesting for a while because it's like, I, I, I it wasn't for a long time until uh, I, I, you see the first cell phone. And <clears throat> at a one point, you know, he makes a call on the phone saying, hey, you know, I can't get the the, the, the the car started. I'm thinking to myself, all right, who is he calling? What is he doing? Until finally we realize he's calling himself. And he's like, he's leaving messages for himself. And as a result, he's then, um, <clears throat> you know, and so he's listening to messages. It's, it's almost like he's trying to have a, I mean, he's trying to make himself into two people and trying to call himself and, you know, leave messages for himself. It's like, hey, it's me. Yeah, I know it's me. You know, I'm talking to me, but still. And in the funny part, in the in the sad part is near the end of the near the end of the movie. He's like, "Why aren't you even responding? I mean, why am I even talking to you?" <laughs> and, and I'm thinking to myself because I mean, it just sounds like near the end of the movie, he start. He sounds like he's starting to to lose it, if you will. Oh, I think he is. You know. He's trying to move on, yet trying to maintain that past at the same time, and it's right. him apart. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually like that point about the tripwise. I, I, I forgot about those, Kevin. So I'm glad you brought that up. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking that maybe, yeah, maybe those tripwires weren't to to worry about animals or people, but it was worried about whatever was out in the darkness. It could be. 
Oh, yeah, so that's what I thought it was for. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, good... I also noticed he had books there that were like survivalist books. Mm-hmm. You know, he had survivalist books on his on his kitchen table. But then it's right. also because he would go around and say, hey, you know, I heard that there's a, you know, I, you know, I heard at this one store that, you know, this, this thing is there. So maybe you want to go try to find it out. And sometimes I wonder if he was just making those um, messages just to, you know, instead of writing something down in his, um, you know, in a notebook, just, in, you know, just kind of like as a reminder, he would call himself. To, to, to do that reminder but then it was going from a reminder to almost like him really trying to <clears throat> excuse me um, almost like he's really trying to have a conversation with himself like he would with somebody else yeah he was interacting with himself <laughs> right And you don't have any sense of time, so you don't know how long it's taken them to get to this point. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, we know some time has gone by because, like like I mentioned, uh, there is no um, groundskeepers or, or, or yard work people or anything like that. Um, and so it's been a, at least a few months, but... Yeah, it could, it could be it could be years, but we don't we just don't know. Um, and him being all alone, he doesn't have to hunt because you know there's still enough houses and, and grocery stores around that he can just eat canned. off of uh, yeah, yeah canned food and 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 Doritos and all that stuff. Yep. Um, so it makes it easier where he he doesn't have to worry about evil people, right? One of my favorite scenes is when he's um, he's seeing her in the bedroom and he's saying, yeah, I got this date to go on. And they're kind of playing with each other because and you're thinking, yeah, it's definitely going to be her. And then he goes to the bowling alley and he's all by himself. And then all of a sudden he hears someone walking away. I just that whole scene, I just really liked it. It just really worked for me. Yeah, it, it was an interesting scene because uh, a couple of reasons. One, it it could be a, a mix between the past and the present. So there was really a scene where he was talking to her and that they were going on a date and they were just being funny. And that they actually did go to the bowling alley. And then the present, which is he's going back to the bowling alley to try to relive that date from the past that, you know, happened. And, of course, now that we're going back to the present, uh, the filmmaker is showing us him obviously alone. And then, you know, he imagines, we assume, someone walking away or whatever. Um, I don't know. What what do you guys think on that? Do you think it was a combination of uh, a real date and a a real, real, uh, I guess, um, a real uh, going back to, to a place, you know, just to relive a memory? I think at this point he's in his memories and the present at the same time because he can't let go of his past because if he lets go of his past, he has to let her go. So it's become part of his present and he, he sees that past in his present and it becomes part of his daily life and, and it's going to kill him at some point because 
he, he can't go on like that forever. Right. Not only that, but I think he also had her in his mind because it's almost sounds like he, I mean, from um, when he finally lets her go, he apologizes. It, it's almost like he blames him. It sound, looks like he blames himself for her death. Because he said, you know, because they're the one point when they're they're running, running, running. And all of a sudden he's like, you know, I can't go on. I can't go on. She says, you have to. You have to. You know, I can't go on. You know, and then all of a sudden he's, you know, she disappears. Um, you know, it could it could. I mean, I, I just kind of wonder, does he um, <clears throat> excuse me, does he blame himself? Like I said, does he blame himself for for her death before we answer that uh could i ask a question um i i have uh wasn't able to rewatch it this week uh and i watched it prior um was it a near a fire that she got pulled away from or was it just them running he had a thing in his hand it was a flare yeah, yeah. that's what it is he had a flare okay so i was right it was a fire i just thought it was a flare not a bonfire yeah yeah right right um, yeah, now let's, let's talk about, well, I, th- you know what, Kevin, I, I think he wasn't necessarily at fault, but he, obviously he's going to blame himself anyway. And I'll tell you why he's going to blame himself. The reason yeah. he's going to blame himself is because he's re- anytime you screw up in real life, any of us on anything, we, we go back the next, you know, the following day, we can go back in our memories and say, man, why did I do that when I could have, <laughs> done this instead you know so so it's like for example you you know you're uh um you're on a date i'll just think of a date because that's that's one of the most easiest things to screw up so you're at a, on a date and um you say something and the girl looks at you like oh and, and then you're you wonder oh shit did i did i screw up and then you know two days later when you call her she doesn't respond and now you're thinking okay was it that moment should I have done something else? Why didn't I, you know, uh, kiss her goodnight or, you know, on and on. And so I think that's what, why he's blaming himself is whatever happened, whether it was his decision to say, all right, we got to leave now and, and head out and try to get to the next location or whatever. He's got to be thinking to himself, Oh, maybe if we had just stayed or, or maybe if we had gone right instead of straight, which, which we did, you know what I'm saying? So I think it may be that type of here. Yeah, if was I had tired or whatever, right. you're gonna blame yourself regardless of uh, in that situation because you're the one living and there's no one else to blame. Right, and and there's so many different options that everybody can take at every moment of the day. You know, you know. So all he has to do is think of, oh, if I had just done this one, if I didn't breathe that second and I held my breath for two seconds, everything would change. Yes. You know, the butterfly effect. You know. So I think that's what it is. What do you think, Kevin? Do you think it's more than that, or do you think he really thinks there was something that happened that he screwed up? Well, like I said, he when he went into well, first of all, every time he would, um, he sometimes for a while he would remember the dates he was on, but the funny part is, is that there are a lot of times where I don't, he would, he would remember her, but he would not converse with her. Like in his, 
like in the post-apocalyptic. It's like, as far as I remember the movie, he was always remembering her, but he never really actually convinced, uh, started conversing with her until the end. Um, like one of the first times he really conversed with her in his own mind during the apocalypse after the post-apocalypse is that, that scene where he was all dressed up. But right, before right. that, but before that though, a, they were all a, flashbacks, right? Right. They were all flashbacks until one day, like he's sitting there and then he sees her like in his head, but he sees her in his house and she puts the key down to the lock of the shed that they, that they built together. And, um, and then that's when he says, you know, um, that's when he, and after that he dresses up and she wakes up, you know, and the girlfriend wakes up next to him, where are you going? I'm going on a date, yada, yada. Then he, then he goes and he gets flowers and he goes to the bowling alley. But then at the end, he goes to that shed that he was avoiding that he didn't even want to go to until finally he opens it up. And when he opens up the shed, she's, 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 st- I mean, still in his mind, but she's standing in there wait, like waiting for him for all this time. And that's when he finally just said, I'm, I mean, the, one of the first things that came out of his mouth were, I'm sorry. So well, I, I, it's part now, of that. I was going to say, I think part of him saying sorry is that he's realized that he has to let her go. That's like, that's that is possible. I don't I mean. But the thing is, like, the reason why I thought he was blaming himself, I mean, it could have been a little bit of both, but I thought he was also still blaming himself because when she disappeared and, you know, in his mind, when she disappeared you know, it was because, I mean, he probably felt maybe it was because he couldn't make it anymore. Or, you know, he couldn't run anymore and she was still raring to go and she stopped for him. And then all of a sudden she disappeared. Well, it's, it's, it's two different interpretations. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely true. Both easily. <laughs> I And I think you're right. I think it's a little of both. I think he does. I think he's going to feel responsible regardless because that's just how it works with humans. And then I also think he realizes at this at that point when he says sorry that he's got to let her go as well because even though he feels responsible, it's still it's making him crazy. And right. well, and, and she even says, uh, "Right, let me go." Right? Yeah, yeah. You know, and and, and he doesn't want to, uh, but when he finally has that determination to do so. Yeah. So he, he's symbolically saying, I'm sorry. And it, and it could have a double meaning for, for sure. I'm sorry for, you know, getting you killed, even if it wasn't really his fault, he's always going to blame himself as we just discussed, but also sorry that I got to let you go. Um, because yeah, I mean, she even said it, even though it's him talking to himself, uh, or if you want to believe in religion, maybe it's her her spirit and you know that is actually talking to him, and he's now going forward, you know, and he has to move on, he has to focus on other things instead right. of and then the second and it's like not too long after uh, after he lets her go, we find hope. You know, hope comes in. That's the 
it he's one of the things he does during this whole mo- during a few times of this movie is that he he has a, a one of those machines that throws baseballs at him you know like you, you know he put it in the th- thing so it throws a baseball and he'll hit it throws pitches a ball and he hits it and that's something he does you know just kind of pass the time and then after he lets her go and he sets the the shed on fire that's kind of his way of saying you know i'm letting you go now it's it's done not to i mean very very soon after that this uh this other he's at back at the baseball field hitting balls and all of a sudden this woman who's not in his imagination appears on the scene and cut how about and cut to black <laughs> is that her name, i mean in the in the credits the character's name is hope so it's kind of interesting so it's like now that he lets k go hope arrives yeah. like now he has so so there there's a little there's got to be a you know a reason why they, they named her hope right right and and again is it just a symbol of the failing hope or is it actually a human being i think it's actually a human being no it's an actual human being because we've never seen her before right but right but but that could be the personification in his mind of what hope the the failing is you see yeah i get me but this is this is an actual person Oh right, right. I know. I'm not disagreeing with you. I think it was an actual oh, okay. person as well. However, I could see someone else coming in and saying that it was a personification of of hope. She didn't. It didn't really exist. Um, the person, and it was just uh, hope in in a a farm. You know, uh, and the reason I was I could see people thinking that, or 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 considering that, or even arguing it and and trying to convince us is for the fact that there's a lot of symbolism in the film a lot of things that are metaphysically are you know rather than than real you know i mean just like his his discussion with his friend around the bonfire which is another great scene i love that scene as he's oh yeah talking to his friend as his friend's giving him advice it's a really good scene yeah explain it barrett explain this scene so so his friend from the that set him up with k basically yeah the the friend that set him up with k he's basically just kind of having a discussion about life with his friend and his friend's telling him you know you know what you have to do and it's you know time to to move on basically right exactly yeah um and this is near the, this is in the third part of the film. So the third act, I guess um, it makes sense because this is what, you know, right before he's going to make that decision to, to move forward. Also, you could even say the bowling alley was his, his, la- you know, his, his big hurrah as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. as well. So, yeah. Um, one of his, you know, quote unquote, happiest moments with his his fiance prior, and revisit it before letting her go, figuratively letting her go, and then having his best friend give him advice was another way of him moving on as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, because everybody can make their own decisions, but 
a lot of times when you make a decision, you're always going to wonder, am I making the right decision? And and so you always, not always, but, but sometimes it's good to ask other people for their opinion, you know, and again, I'll just use the girl example. Um, you know, you see a girl on the other side of the bar, she's looking at you, but you don't know if she's really looking at you or not. And you can ask your buddy, you go, Hey, what do you think? And then, you know, they'll, if they're being honest to you, they'll tell you the truth, which is, yeah, she's, I think, she, you know, she, she finds you attractive or no, dude, you're, 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 you're playing with your, your own brain. Um, and so I think that's why he had to figuratively create this this uh, version of his friend from his mind to try to work out, I guess, a big decision that he really wasn't sure if it was the right decision. Right. Um, well, so. I mean, you know, all through the movie, he's coming to this choice because he's he's trying to fix the truck so he can go up to the shack. You know, I trying to go up to the I'm sorry, I thought he was trying to go up to the mountain. Well, the shack's up on the kind yeah, of... Yeah, the shack's in front of them. Yeah, they built it up kind of high. Not all the way up the mountain, not at the mountain top, but they built it up there. But that's where he's trying to get. That's why he wants to fix the car, so he can get up there. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah, and we don't know that yet at that point, you know, in the first act. Right. He exactly. He's working on a car. I didn't even know he was really trying to fix the car. I thought he was just... I didn't either. I thought he was just messing around, keeping himself busy. Yeah, I thought I thought that was it was I thought it was his job, and and to be honest, it could have been his job. Yeah, you know, yeah. but but he also had a, a a real reason to do it too, not just like you said to keep busy, but also because he really wanted a vehicle to get to another location. Yeah. So basically, everything he's doing is culminating in this final moment, um, but you just kind of see his. His breaking down and breaking free at the same time. Yeah. And you're you're wondering which is going to be first. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, maybe, he, maybe he realized he was breaking down, so that's why, you know, the friends in his subconscious are telling him to break free because if he doesn't break free, he'll totally break down. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly why. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, yeah. I mean, there's only a certain point where uh, a person can can wallow in in what was, you know, and you still have to live. And he was doing well for a while, you know, doing the routine things and pretending, you know, life was normal. But again, even that, he was fooling himself as well. So it was only when he came to the decision that, okay, I, I, I got to do the symbolic purge, um, and, and, and move on when, and, and that, at that point, that's when he, he was good. Yeah. And the bowling alley was kind of like the final date. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So that, that was the, the big hurrah, uh, of, of, you know, moving, moving on, you know, you, you know, so it's like right before, you know, it, like before you go to college and you, you're saying goodbye to all your friends and all this other stuff. And then, you know, you, you go, I'll, I'll go out and, and you have uh, dinner and drinks and, and say cheers and good luck. And then there's a chance that you never see any of them again, you know, and and that was 
that was kind of what this was, which was he's not going to see her ever again, as as figuratively that is. And so what's what's out do the big hurrah, and and the big hurrah was reliving a great date that he had once with her prior to her passing. Um, and and I think I think that that he lucked out a little bit too, because he he does meet hope right at the end. Yeah. You know, I mean, what would have happened if, if he didn't? Um, I think he was still pretty good to go, but how long was he going to be until, you know, he, he finds someone else, you know? Right. Um, well, and I think the baseball was a little bit probably more out of the norm than the rest of the things. That was almost like his happy place. And so he was yeah. with his happy place, and then all of a sudden Hope walks in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's talk about the, the baseball for a bit. Um, yeah, because we've seen him do it numerous times in the in in the film. Uh, Chrissy from uh, Dark Discussions podcast, which uh, is another podcast on the network. Basically, that's the, the original podcast on the Dark Discussions news network. Uh, Chrissy always says there's three beats, and and that baseball scene was kind of a three beat, where you'd have him uh, at the very beginning playing baseball. And you find out he's really just playing baseball himself. Um, and and he, he radio for the voices of a crowd. Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. And and, and you have the announcer talking about the New York Yankees playing the the uh, Baltimore Orioles or something, you know. And, and so you hear famous, you know, players' names. I, I think, I think, oddly, I think it was. Um, it wasn't even modern players too. It was like from the seventies or something. So, so it was like, like. Um, uh, you know, uh, Belanger of the of Baltimore and and Billy Martin or something. I, I don't know who it was, but it was it was like historical games he was playing in the background, if I'm not mistaken. And then, um, uh, what else he have? And then yeah, then there's an, you know, and so so that that keeps on repeating this baseball scene because it was the happy spot, like you said, yeah. Because we see him later in the film too. I think it was the midpoint, right before the the drone. Um scene and then and then of course the ending scene and then and then out of the um woods uh hope comes and she looks a little tentative because she's not sure of him and right uh, right and it looks like she's been a little beaten down too not beaten down as in physically by human beings or monsters but beaten down and trying to survive a a post-apocalypse all alone when you get this feeling that she had been working up the courage to come out of the woods. Yeah, that's actually a really good point because we see him playing and he's actually having a half smile on his face and he seems like he's having fun. And then she, you see her slowly coming out and very tentative. And then he kind of gives her a smile and we don't see her again because we're walking through his perspective now. And, and, and he walks over and you can figure that he's walking over to her. Um, so that's a really good point. I, I, didn't, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, you're right. She probably has been watching him for a good 20 minutes maybe. And then she finally determines that she's going to you know, go for it. Yeah, because from the female perspective, she's probably being as careful as she can be. You know, She doesn't know what he's capable of or whatever. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, especially with with no law and order, you know, if all you have to do is find one uh, serial rapist or something, you know. Yep. 
forget it. Um, let's see. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? Any, any other scenes or, or specifics that we, we want to bring up about this film that we haven't discussed yet? Well, just the fact that um, the main actor is also the director and the writer, um, and he is in probably 80% of the film by himself. And it's pretty amazing direction job, pretty amazing acting job. Um, and the script is pretty solid. So I, I give him kudos for what he did in this film. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Um, yeah, he, he's in the film pretty much 100% in the sense that he's in every scene. And 80% of it, it's him alone. You're absolutely right. And that's hard to pull off. And I think he does it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he did really good. Um, and I think he got his point across too. Um, because again, um, what, what, what is the point of, of life? I mean, even, even in the pre apocalypse, you know, in the regular world, it's like, okay, I collect my collectibles. I watch my, my films and books. I read, I have my friends, I have my extended family around me and whatnot. And then, a job. <laughs> yeah, a job. And then after that, what what is, what is there in a sense, you know? And and it's and it makes you wonder, is there a purpose, you know? Yeah. Um and this kinda boils away everything and then you really have to think about it. Um and that's why I, I was asking you earlier, Kevin, about the religious thing, because obviously God wants you here for a pur has you here for a purpose, otherwise you wouldn't be born. And, you know, and, and, and religion, at least the Christianity religion, suicide is, is considered a sin. So even if your life is, is not very good based off of that being a sin, it means that you should stay here and, and, and endure. And that's why I was asking you if, if there was anything that you could think of related to the religious reasoning of life, the purpose of life, and this guy just doing the weird things he does to make it look like he has a purpose. Right, that's what I was saying. So that's, like I said, it sounded like this is a very much a, you know, you make your purpose what it is. Mm. Okay, yeah. That's actually... God wants you to find really your purpose, right? Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Well, I mean, I mean, as as a believer myself, I mean, my purpose, I mean, there, there's I guess you could say there's different purposes for, for a believer. It's like one is we all know that the humans uh, purpose for, you know, because we were created by God. So, I mean, we were created because God wanted us to be want us to be around, not just to serve him, but to be with him. You know, it's to be his family, that type of thing. But then you, we all have an individual purpose, kind of like uh, like uh, the Apostle Paul talks about in, in the church, we're all parts of a body. <clears throat> I mean, you'll, you'll hear people say the body of believers, because like a foot is a foot, but a foot is not a hand. So is your purpose to be the hand or is your purpose to be the eye? Is your purpose to be the ear? You know, so in other words, you we all have a purpose in life to be um, 
you know, in God's family, there's a reason for us to be here. But then what is my individual purpose? And that's like my own individual function, my own individual thing. You know, it's just, um, you know, we all can't be doctors. We all can't be accountants. We all can't be fathers of five people. We all can't be farmers. We all can't, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, you know, some people are called to be one one thing while someone is called to be something else. You know, and this guy here, his purpose in life, you know, he had to he had to kind of figure it out. You know, because he was trying to do his normal everyday routine just because if he doesn't, if he doesn't have that structure to his life, that purpose, you know, he'll go nuts. But now because hope comes in, maybe his maybe maybe he's realizing now that his his function in life is to be the companion for hope and hope's functions to be the companion for him. But then together they will survive because like I like I like I said in, in the in the first you know, couple chapters of Genesis, there's at one point where after God makes everything and he makes man, he says, you know, it's not good that man's alone. And then that's when he makes Eve. <clears throat> and so here, you know, Adam is all by himself and now hope comes in. So he is, you know, now he is no longer alone and he can share his life with somebody else now. I mean, it may not be romantic, but it's still somebody else's that right yeah no and that, that, that's that's fair that's fair and, and and to be honest um you know being uh people of different genders with with no other options not only can they be friends but i i could see it being being uh also um romantic as well um but yeah, I mean the main thing is is the connection. It, it may you could argue it makes it easier that hope happens to be a woman rather than another guy, in a sense. Especially what he was overcoming, which was the loss of his his, his uh, you know fiance. Because I mean, also there is there is still a lot of. I mean, even if she does not have that desire for him you know or maybe they they don't have that desire for each other which i am sitting there thinking myself look you know if if you're if you're the only two people left or in a long in a long wide you know you know long place you know after a while even even if you know a normal life you probably wouldn't have gotten along or whatever you know there's going to be at least sometimes where there's going to be like Look, I I I got it. I, <laughs> I got to give in, you know, type of thing. Or you know, there, there's going to be a desire, you know. But the thing is, is that, and many guys, not saying this is for everybody. I'm not like painting all guys with the same brush. But there's many guys who they kind of have this. It feels like it's their function in life to protect and provide for the woman. And so now maybe and they maybe that's one reason why it's a woman and not another guy, because, you know, the guy will I mean, there's always that the guy wants to take care of the woman. I mean, that's that could be the the case here, too. I mean, we, we really don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, trying to be sexist, please, please. If you're listening, please, I'm not trying to be sexist. It's just, there's in, in, in many, many areas or even generally, I mean, obviously there's a lot of exceptions and I'm not, you know, and I'm not, but the thing is, is that the guy likes to take their care of the woman and protect her and all that. But at the same time though, like, I mean, I know in my relationship with my wife, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm protective of her and, you know, but I like to do stuff for her. I like to, you know, uh, things like that. But at the same time, she likes to do stuff for me. She likes to help, you know, in other words, we're very symbiotic. I think it's a uh, symbiotic. In other words, we help each other. You know, one's not taking more than the other. You know, one's not giving more than the other. It's we're very symbiotic. And that's kind of what this guy needs. He needs somebody to give to. And then she probably needs somebody to give to and to accept. And he needs something to accept that, that sort of thing. So, yeah, no, I, I understand what you're saying. And, and if we compare this or what you're saying to say one thing that I always felt was ridiculous about the walking dead was the pairing off of males and females, uh, unless there, there, there are LGBTQ characters in, in, in the, the story, but I'm, I'm just talking about the, the heterosexual characters. Um, I always felt the walking dead didn't have the pairing off as, as it should, it, because, you know, when you're with only a handful of people and you're together all the time, eventually heterosexual people are going to find their attraction with other people there. And even if they just thought of them as friends, eventually you, you begin to know them as people and whatever, and then you become attracted to them. And I always felt the walking dead was only did that a couple of times, like Glenn and, and, and whoever he married or, or whatever, but, but all the rest of them, it, it never, never happened. And so I always thought that was bogus. And, and here, um, again, we're, we're only seeing the beginning, uh, which is he, he meets hope for, you know, the last minute of the movie. And, and now he has, I guess, um, what we call a blank page in a sense, as does she, you know, I mean, she wouldn't have come out of the forest if, if she decided uh, that, you know, this, this isn't good, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he, she saw something in him, whether it is plutonic or not. Yeah, and I think she's been watching him long enough that she has a good, uh, an okay feeling at least, that where she doesn't feel an imminent danger. Right, and she may have been watching him for more than once, right? I mean, yeah, if, oh, for a while, yeah. Yeah, well, because this is. have been the one that, um, remember the one scene where I mentioned it earlier where he, he sees the fire pit? Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, it could have been her. And I just thought of that. I said, that could have been from her. Well, and you right. couldn't oh, 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 that someone was watching him, and that's why he was so paranoid. Oh, oh, right, right, exactly. And and, and then the, the bowling alley, right, the, the the footsteps or whatever it was. Yeah. Right, and 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 he put up the strings. Right, maybe maybe he he right exactly. Maybe it was because she it was her. It could have been hope all that all along, just making sure that he was safe. You know. Yeah. And he, she could have been breaking strings and not even knowing it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and so him, he thinks somebody's around or it could be the monsters. And it's just her making sure he's okay and making sure that maybe she'd be safe with him if she revealed herself. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. 
Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, so, so there's a lot of, a lot of uh, um, aspects of the film, uh, again, because, yeah, I mean, what, what would happen when the only man and the only woman of this town meet, you know, versus, say, like in um, uh, The Stand, which uh, me and Barrett are doing another podcast called Don't Tell Me, I'll Tell You, The Stand podcast, a weekly episode podcast on the CBS All Access TV show, The Stand. And there's characters like Harold and whatever, and, and people are pairing up in that show, and and yet they have more options, so they're not going to just say, all right, Harold, I'm going to go with you because there's no one else, you know? And so there's, there's a lot of d- interesting people dynamics, um, you know, and whatnot. So it's not like, like, uh, the modern world where you just go into downtown Baltimore or Boston or Chicago or Detroit and you walk into a lounge and, and see a, a pretty girl and go over and talk to her and see if it works out. So it's completely different. Um, and so you, you can't be as picky, I guess. <laughs> Not when there's only one other woman. <laughs> right, right, exactly, and or one other guy, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um. All right. Let's see. Companionship. You've got to choose one way or the other. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um. Let's see. What else do we want to discuss? Um. What do we got? Anything else? I think we've hit all the really high points. Most of the movie, too. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. Uh, I, I can't think of much either. I mean, I'm sure that we could find stuff if we really, if I had written down everything. Uh, what about you, uh, Kevin? you have any other things that you wanted to talk about uh, uh, that's related to the film no, that you, we may no, have missed? I think we covered everything. Again, though, I just, because <clears throat> one of the things I was, thinking about is they never really told us what happened but in this movie they really didn't have to again just very thankful that they didn't go the zombie route yeah 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 oh yeah yeah i agree um but yeah that that is one aspect of the film that's very interesting and curious is they never explain the apocalypse and why it happened and what happened when it happened so that yeah, I mean the flashbacks were really all related to him and and his fiance Kay, and they only talk about the the apocalypse once in those flashbacks when you know they're talking to the her parents about where they're going to go, and and even in that scene they don't talk about why the apocalypse happened, what is happening, or what the danger is. Um, and then, of course, we see the one scene when when Kay disappears. But again, that that's very ambiguous as well. Well, it's funny because if you compare to the stand, like this movie doesn't show you the apocalypse, but it's really not the important part. Whereas in the stand, we didn't get to see the apocalypse, and it really was the important part. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really really good um, comparison. You're right. Yeah, I mean, I I. I yeah, I, I'm flabbergasted to think of that statement because you're right. The the stand, the real interesting part of that show, or what should have been the most interesting part of that show, was the apocalypse, and and 
how these certain people survive it and why they survive it or wonder what's going on. And then that's all thrown out in that TV show. Well, here, you don't need that because that wasn't the point of that this show or this movie. The, the point of this movie was um, the character study of, of the individual um, and, and maybe even, even deeper things about the, the existence of life and its importance and, and, and is life itself a meaning, not, not just people you are with or, or the jobs that you do. So, well, and yeah. I stand the book kind of has that question, but the show definitely doesn't. This new miniseries doesn't. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's uh, anything. <laughs> No, no, it doesn't say anything at all. I, I mean, I, I'm actually looking back. I was thinking about it when we were talking about this film. I was thinking about uh, Larry and and how, you know, they, they have all these flashbacks about Larry before the apocalypse. And it's like none of it was wasn't even important in that. Even make you feel anything, whereas this makes you feel something. And we've talked for the better part of two hours about this, the plot of this movie, because it has so many questions and so many things it makes you think about. And then the stand show doesn't make you think about any of that or feel anything. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and this is an hour and 31 minute film. And the stand is, is, is nine hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just shows you the, how uh, money doesn't necessarily mean quality. That's the truth. Yeah. So, all right. Um, all right. So before we give our final thoughts on the film, uh, anybody wanted to discuss anything that they've watched recently that would be interesting or played video games or, or read a book or anything that, that would be interesting to folks who are fans of genre, uh, I guess, media or genre fiction? Um, I No, go ahead, Kevin. You start. Kevin. I'm sorry. I recently saw a brief, and I think it was mentioned on Dark Discussions briefly. Uh, was did I mention the uh, one of our last shows? Or I think it was we mentioned it off off the show. Host. It was a. It was pretty much it's one hour. It, it is it a short or is it is just just a short movie? But it was it was like a um, uh, as a Zoom meeting with some friends who. Uh, decide to have a seance or something like that, and it somebody messes up and it really goes bad. Uh, I thought that was a very interesting, interesting movie. So it's only one hour, but it, um, I thought it did a pretty good job. And yeah, it's, it's on on the TV channel uh, Shutter, right? In the United States, and it's um, yeah, it's very similar to. Other, I guess, found footage horror films like uh, The Den or uh, uh, Unfriended, uh, very much like that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another one that uh, I just been, I can't remember if I mentioned or not, there's a, a book I went, I read, went through called um, Bone Shaker, which is uh, it's an alternative, alternative history novel uh, that's very steampunk. Uh, oriented and the whole idea is that uh, there's a Seattle is um, essentially walled up because 
there's there's a gas that that leaked in Seattle, and anybody who breathed it in essentially became zombies. If there's a city that has to be walled up, that's a city that should be walled up. Absolutely. Right. Well, oh, but, that, well uh, but the thing is, is that the, the, the city was walled up so that the gas doesn't leak out and, and spread. And so they walled up the city because it's a heavy gas. Uh, it's not a spoiler I'm talking about. So so because because they walled up the city, the gas doesn't leak out. But the problem is, is that anybody who got caught inside, they breathe in the gas, they become zombies. And so somebody had, and so somebody goes in. Uh, one of the main characters goes into the city to uh, collect something, and so this kid's mother also goes in. And it's it's a it's a fun story. It's 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 adventure. It's not as much of a. It's not really a zombie movie. Um, and it's, it's just people trying to get through. I mean, it, it there, there, I mean, it is kind of a zombie movie, but it's not like a, a night of the living dead type of zombie movie where you have, you know, people like a small group of people trying to survive to get through all this. It's, they want to get in, they want to get out and the zombies aren't going anywhere. They're staying in the city. They just want to get in with their zombies and then turn around and get out. And it's and it's fun. It's a it's a good book. And uh, what's the name of that book once more? And the author? It's a Bone Shaker by a woman named Sherry Priest. C H E R I E. Last name Priest. P R I E S T. And how old is this book? I have no idea. It's been okay. around for a few years. It's been around for at least ten years. At least ten years. But it's gotcha. it's a good book. All right, very good. Uh, what about you, Barrett? You said you, I heard you about to say something. Yeah, uh, a couple things. So, if uh, people that like the series Babylon Five, it is now on HBO Max, and it's supposedly they improved the quality a little bit from when it was produced in the '90s. Um, you know, I don't know what they did to it, but some better HD or something. Um, so, if you like that series, it's it's available on HBO Max. Um, and then recently, my wife and I watched a show on Netflix um, called Fate, the Wink Saga. That was pretty interesting. Uh, you probably wouldn't like it, Phil, because it's um, that they, urban They fantasy. kill a dog? No, they don't kill a dog, but it is urban fantasy. Okay. <laughs> so you probably wouldn't like it, but it, it's kind of a neat neat little show. It's only about six episodes long. And what station is it on? Netflix. And... and, and uh... Uh, is it an English language film or? Yeah, it's English, and it's supposedly based on some Italian cartoon. And, and what's the name of it again? It's called Fate: The Winks Saga. W I N X. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and does it take place in the real world with with like mystical elements or something? Mystical realism? I, it, yes, it's not in the real world because there's different, like I would say, almost dimensions, and this is yeah. like almost the Elven dimension. Uh, interesting. Uh, or fairies, you know, where fairies come from. Right. So something like how True Blood threw in fairies or something. That... Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's urban fantasy. It's It was pretty good six episodes. Um, I did see some reviews that weren't as favorable on it. Uh, I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was pretty neat. Is it is it just a one season thing, you think, or is it a miniseries? Yeah, you know, like a miniseries? Well, it did. You know Netflix. They, yeah. Yeah, okay. or more <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah 
what kind of viewers they think they had. So yeah, the, yeah. The only thing that Netflix ever has more than like three seasons, it seems, uh, is shows that they bought from someone else. Yeah, you know, Ozark I think is the exception uh, because it was so popular. They 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 decided to go for, but um, but yeah. everything else, yeah, it's, it's yeah. They're like the Sci-Fi Channel that only does five seasons of any show they've ever done. Um, right, right. And then lastly, if you like, or if you're into crime dramas, we're watching a show on um, BritBox, and it is called The Bay. That seems it's pretty good. We've made it through the first season, and the second season is currently coming out. It's on the fourth episode. Um, a season is six episodes, so it's not like a huge, you know, commitment of time, but it's fun to watch. Right, right. If you're into crime dramas, which I still think is genre, you know, crime. Yeah, drama. sure, oh, sure, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I always like a good British mystery, so. Yeah. Well, and 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 uh, uh, as, as I said, uh, Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews is is the catch-all. You know, it's not sh- straight horror or straight comic book or straight whatever. It's it's whatever. I mean, tonight we're doing uh, a character study uh, dystopian one you know, one person type film. And then then uh, one of our last episodes, we did a big budget Hollywood wonder woman, you know? So, we, and then, you know, we did a uh, uh, good woman. It's hard to find, which is like a thriller slash horror slash mob film. So, so we, we, we do all type of genre stuff here. So yeah. Thrillers, mysteries, yeah, as, as the dark discussions tagline is, uh, we do uh, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, thrillers, techno thrillers, mysteries, grindhouse, art house, cult films, midnight movie, drive-in films, uh, art house, uh, I think I already said that one, foreign films, and the like. So. And some of the films could be described also as outhouse films. I mean, they were just that bad. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's, there's a few of them. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't had too many. Thank God. Uh, a lot of times we, we, we try to if someone sees the film in advance and says, oh, it sucks, we, we just say, yeah, we're not going to do an episode on it. <laughs> well, like this here, this show here, we, we've been pretty much doing films that everybody's seen already, so we know that it's good. Um, but uh, I'm sure we're going to pick a film out of the blue, say, let's, let's do a film and, and go, go in blind, and then we could get a dog. Yeah. That's true. But we, we haven't done that nostalgia. yet. Yeah, you're, you know, like o- some older films that have been out a while, so we've seen them or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we've done a couple of uh, films like this film that, you know, we thought was good. And we say, or Voodoo, for example, or, or whatever, says, hey, let's do these films because these films are films we should talk about and let people know exist. You know? Yeah. A well, I, I felt was another, you know, uh, the summer of love is another, you know. So, so we've done a, a lot of those type. Never mind um, b- bigger films like like Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four. So, um, all right, anything else, Barrett? You want to bring up? Nope, that's it. All right, uh, yeah. For me, uh, I saw um, a film called The Call, uh, which is a, a Korean film uh, from twenty twenty. It's a remake of a, I think, a 2011 American film called The Caller, um, and it's it's a very weird film, but re- but pretty good. Um, it's a little bit suspension of disbelief, uh, but basically it's it's about this woman who um, 
goes back to visit her mother um, and, and the, the old house that they lived in. She gets a phone call and then she figures out that she's actually talking to someone that lived in the house in 1999 and it's, you know, supposed to be modern day. And the person in the past can change the future for her. And then there may be people in the past that may not be who they are. I don't want to get into too much to spoil it if anybody wanted to check it out, but uh, it's on Netflix. Um, Co-host Eric of the Dark Discussions podcast had it in his top 20 horror films of the year. Um, uh, we're, we're actually doing an episode on it um, this week. Um, it's pretty solid. I would, I could have, I could see it. It's definitely not a top 20 for me. Uh, if, if it did, it would be at the low 20s. Uh, but I'll say one character, the antagonist is really awesome. Uh, so it may be worth checking out. Uh, also, uh, I've been playing a video game called Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I know uh, when it first came out in early December, it got some backlash because um, they kind of rushed it out to get it for, out for Christmas. So it had some bugs and stuff. But uh, I'm playing it on Xbox One and uh, they've done updates and, and I'm not having any real issues at all. Uh, the game is really good. Uh, if you like cyberpunk stuff, like um, as you mentioned earlier, um, um, Barrett, uh, what was the movie? Uh, the Fifth Element. So it has that kind of stuff, but it also has like Blade Runner stuff in it. Um, but it also has the feel of like a Grand Theft Auto or Saints Row as well. Um, the the one, one thing that is a bummer is you don't really do any of the the flying cars, even though they're you see them all over the place and, and some of the NPCs have them but you don't actually ever use them, which is really unfortunate, I think. Um, but besides that one bummer, um, the, the game's really good. I high recommend. I would uh, recommend anybody who likes video games. Um, Cyberpunk is really good. Uh, for- What's that? Question for you on that. So I, I saw something about them having a patch recently. Did it make any big changes, or did it become running better i know you haven't seen a lot of issues with it but has it have you noticed a difference since the past yeah yeah um uh, yeah the the patch uh which happened automatically um for me it was downloaded so i couldn't play for like you know 20 minutes while it was downloaded but uh yeah i ever since the patch happened um i i, I haven't had any crashes at all good uh, prior good. to that you know uh unlike uh, other people were having patches i mean crashes maybe once a day it seemed uh if i had a crash i I was lucky it was maybe once a week um now with the patch in place i I don't have any crashes at all so good yeah yeah so so it's definitely worth it don't don't uh listen to the haters or, or the people that are throwing out the warnings because most of that stuff is already outdated uh the the game's fine to purchase uh at this point um and that's pretty much about it. Um, yeah, I mean, everything else I've been watching has been uh, stuff for, for podcasts. Uh, even the call was for, for a podcast. So a um, couple of things. Again, uh, myself and Barrett are doing the podcast. Don't tell me. I'll tell you. The Stand podcast uh, It's a weekly podcast on each episode of The Stand uh, we have nine episodes in already because we've done seven uh, for the show and two for the book. 
Um, we're we're going to probably do three more because uh, we're going to do episode eight and nine, and then we're going to do maybe a, a ten, which will talk about um, the original miniseries and comparing uh, the two miniseries together. And then um, we're doing, me, Barrett, and Kevin are doing a Discovery of Witches, Demons, and Vampires podcast, which is a weekly episode on that television show, a Discovery of Witches, which is on Shudder. Uh, so that's a weekly discussion of a season two. Uh, so we've we've done four so far, as well as uh, one extra episode, which was the recap of season one. Uh, so those are the only other things I've been watching uh, that's related to genre. Um, I mean, I've, I've been watching like The Office and reruns and stuff, but that's not important for this podcast. Um, all right, so I guess we can get into our uh, uh, final thoughts on this film here. So uh, I guess I'll start. Um, yeah, I, I actually uh, like this film a lot. Uh, I think I actually may like it even more now that we've discussed it. Um, and I, I pretty much liked it a lot before. Um, obviously, it's it's January in February or, or Q1, we're recording this on February 3rd of 2021. Um, so it's, it's early to, to say things, but um, I, I could put this on a possible uh, top 10 speculative fiction uh, list or top 20 anyway. Um, it's, it's, it's engaging, asks a lot of questions, I think. Um, and um, I think it has a lot to, to say. Um, and it's also uh, kind of entertaining just to, in, in a different way, in a character study way, in a hard house film way. So, uh, yeah, I, I would I recommend it. Big thumbs up. Uh, let's go with you, Kevin. Yeah, this was, like I said, once I, because my whole thought of like post, post-apocalyptic was not what they did in this movie. And once I figured that out, I thought it was very good. I thought it was a, a nice um alternative if you will to post-apocalyptic movie it's not your typical post-apocalyptic movie and i thought that they did a very good job with it and again uh congratulations to the guy who like wrote directed and all that uh starred in it you know for his first starring movie uh he did very good he did very well as a, as an actor as well. I mean, he really was very convincing that he was a introvert and um, just trying to get through life by himself. I hats off to you. Good job, sir. All right, very good, uh, Barrett. Yeah, I really really like this film. Um, I, I still need to purchase it. I plan on purchasing it because I want to support movies like this. Um, and yeah, Alex Knapp did a great job acting, directing, writing, um, choosing other castmates. Uh, the filming was great. Uh, this is a really good indie film, and it's well worth watching. Um, it provoked a lot of thought and discussion, I think, uh, that you don't get out of a lot of movies these days. And uh, I definitely suggest taking a look at it. Yep. And uh, we should also give a nod out to Olivia Licardi playing Kay. Um, she brought some credibility to the film, uh, helped it uh, get noticed. Um, her involvement uh, being um, a regular on some, some major television shows and, and films uh, really um, uh, gave Alex Knapp um, some cred that he would have probably not, not have gotten. I mean, 
which some of some people who have seen this film even even have even heard of it if it wasn't for her. So, uh, and, and she was great in the role, her role as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One other thing that we we forgot to mention that uh, we got going is that we're actually going to have a part two in this podcast because we were me and Barrett, and this was before Kevin was even involved. But me and Barrett are lucky enough to uh, be able to interview two people from the film, Barrett. And who are they? Um, we got to interview Olivia Lucardi um, one week, and that was a really great interview. And then the following week, we got to interview Alex Knapp, the director and main actor um, of the film. So, yeah, we had a really good time interviewing them. Yeah, yeah, Olivia played uh, Kay, as we discussed. And uh, so, yeah, since uh, we were oddly, um, since they were supposed to come together and, you know, we were figuring to do like a 45 minute interview with the two of them together. Uh, but uh, there was a miscommunication uh, and Alex um, uh, uh, came on a different day. So what we did instead was we, we had an hour with uh, Olivia and an, an hour with Alex and uh, they were very kind with their time. And uh, they would probably would have stayed longer if, if if we just kept on asking questions. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know, right? And and so because uh, we have like two hours of, of interviews where they really go into detail on the the movie. Uh, obviously, that's too long to add to the present um, podcast. So we decided we'll just make a part two. Which uh, so this one will be called "Go Don't Go." The the movie review and then the part two episode will be uh don't go don't go uh the interviews and uh whether they come out back to back or uh in in between we're not sure yet because um there's another podcast that, that uh, myself barrett and uh another co-host from fishnets and phantoms amy rain joined us uh for a film uh, called uh, uh paradise cove which uh that film comes out on february 12th and so we may release that in between uh part one and part two of the go don't go uh episodes um so yeah any, any further things you wanted to bring up about uh uh the two barrett um just yeah je- definitely check the interviews out when they come out because they definitely add quite a bit beyond what we talk about here in this um first podcast about the actual movie uh they they give some details on things that they experienced or ideas they had and we got to talk to them pretty in depth and since they were separate it was definitely interesting (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely indeed all right sounds good so uh this was once again go slash don't go so yeah that's actually the name of it so uh, i'm not sure if you have to have the slash and when, when you do a search for it uh, on VOD platforms, but uh, that's the name of it anyway. Um, it, once again, is a dystopian uh, sci-fi post-apocalypse uh, thriller or, or science fiction film in one sense, but it's also an art house uh, character study uh, in another sense. Uh, again, it stars Alex Knapp as Adam, Olivia Lucardi as Kay, and it is uh, directed and written by Alex Knapp and, uh, as well. Uh, the film was uh, filmed in the all, greater Albany area, Catskill Mountain area of New York State, because uh, that's where uh, everybody's from, including Olivia Licardi. And uh, it is now available uh, everywhere to rent. 
Um, so uh, definitely check it out. Um, and so hopefully you guys will uh, come back next time. We'll, we'll have some more topics coming up soon. We're, we're, we're going to be working on it. We're wrapping up uh, the stand podcast very shortly, which will free up a lot of time. Um, and then the discovery, Witches uh, podcast, we, we have a few more weeks of that as well. And then when that wraps up, we'll have more time as well. Uh, we may actually start up a, another television series podcast. Maybe it appears that the television series podcasts are the ones that actually get the most uh, listenership just for the fact they have built in audiences. Uh, so that's always interesting, but, uh, either way, I think we can uh, have you wrap it up. Barrett. Thanks again for joining us on Halloween boutique psychotronic reviews, and we will be back with more, 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 more.
you do